Open up to Isaiah chapter 54. It's kind of in the middle of the Bible. Isaiah 54. You're allowed to use the table of contents if needed. No one's going to judge you. But if your neighbor starts doing it, raise your hand and point them out so that we can... Oh, no, I'm kidding. All right. Whoa, can we have fun? We all right? All right. Isaiah 54 is where we're going to be this morning. Throat's a little dry this morning. Maybe it's the fall weather. I don't know. Isaiah 54, go ahead and get out your notes, something to take notes with this morning. And get a, uh, if you have your phone, that's fine. Uh, if, you, if that's how you read your Bible, that's great. Get ready to use your little, your thumb to highlight something. If you're using uh, a, uh, a, what do you call it, a real Bible? I don't know, <laughs> like one in your hands. Get a pen out is what I'm trying to say. Get a pen out because I'm going to have you underline something as we go through Isaiah 54. So as we get started this morning, I want to give you a little bit of an introduction into the book of Isaiah so that we can set the tone for 54 and what we're actually going to talk about this morning. So uh, we're going to go on a little bit of a journey together here. So we're going to read a few verses out of Isaiah 54, um, and they may not make a whole lot of sense on the surface uh, because the book of Isaiah kind of seems to kind of always not, not always make sense on the surface. It's a prophetic book, which means it's a, it's a book that documents God speaking to this man, Isaiah. And in the Old Testament time, God would speak to one person kind of to get to the whole nation, and he would raise up these people called prophets, which is Isaiah. So this is a prophetic book where God was using the prophet Isaiah and he's speaking things. A lot of things in the book of Isaiah are uh, they're, they're prophecies. They're telling about the Messiah that is to come. And there's loads of prophecies throughout the book of Isaiah about what the Messiah is going to be like. And seven, eight hundred years later, when Jesus was born and lived, he fulfilled them all, which is one of the reasons why we know that Jesus was the Messiah, because it's hard to do that on your own. So Isaiah is referenced and quoted many times throughout the New Testament. A lot of what he talked about started coming to pass with Jesus and, and afterwards. And it's filled with these prophecies of what God wants to do in the Messiah, through the Messiah. And then, so therefore the promises that are in the book of Isaiah are true for us because of Jesus. Amen? So that's how, sometimes you're wondering, how's the Old Testament make sense to my life, right? But here we are, and this is why it makes sense, because Jesus is what brings it full circle. So Jesus actually quoted Isaiah several times throughout his life, and one of the first times that people tried to kill him was because he went to church one day. He read a few verses out of Isaiah chapter 61, a few chapters after this, and it was about the Messiah. And he stood up, he read these verses, and he said, I'm that guy. And it made a lot of people really mad, and they tried to push him off a hill. And you should go read all about it. It's crazy what happens next. So you can go read all about that. So in Isaiah, there's a lot of dynamic language. It's, it's, it's descriptive. It's interesting. It doesn't always make sense all the time. There's a lot of word pictures and illustrations, and he's uh, documenting like visions of heaven and encounters with angels and all kinds of radical things. There's encouragements, and there's rebukes, and there's all kinds of stuff in between. So Isaiah, it's a, it's a packed book. It's really long, which is probably one of the reasons it has so much in it, because it's long. So that brings us to Isaiah 54. Are we good to kind of know what to expect? Like, we're going to read a few verses, and on the surface, it might not make the most sense, but we're going to go into it this morning, and I think God's going to speak to us, all right? 
So we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 54. Read verse 1 just to get going here. Verse 1 of Isaiah 54. It says this. Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Makes perfect sense, right? Isaiah 54, verse 1. We start off this chapter. God is addressing his people. There's a bug on my face. What's up with that? It's the devil. I'm kidding. God's addressing his people through the prophet Isaiah. And he's using this prophetic language like we talked about. And, and he's, he's talking to a barren woman. And he's kind of using this word picture to describe the nation of Israel at the time. They, this is how they felt. They were waiting for the Messiah. They had been waiting. They were waiting. They had more to wait. And there was kind of this the bug. There's kind of this barrenness thing going on. So he, he's talking to the nation of Israel, and they are represented by this barren woman. So he's talking to his people. And in many ways, because he's talking to his people, he's talking to us. He's talking to us this morning. So we are kind of represented by this barren woman that he's talking to, but he gives her this incredible promise that though she is barren, she's going to have many, many children, many children. And the following verses, he gives her these instructions on how to respond to the promise that God is giving her. Because how many of you know when God gives you a promise, you usually need to respond to it. It's not going to happen by itself, but it will happen when you respond. Verse 2 says this, he continues on, enlarge the place of your tent, let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out, do not hold back, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will people desolate cities. In verse two, I want you to circle or underline that little phrase, be stretched out, be stretched out. God tells this barren woman in verses one through three that she, though she is barren and unmarried, she's going to have children. She's going to have a lot of children, and they're going to possess nations. They're going to fill desolate cities. Not only is she going to have children, but they're carrying a destiny. They're carrying a promise. They're carrying a purpose. You know, just any kids. And since all these kids are coming, she needs to get to work stretching out her tent to hold all the kids that are coming because we all know kids need a place to live. Here comes all these kids. They're going to be kids of promise. So you got to stretch out your tent because the promise that I'm giving you is bigger than the tent that you're currently living in. Somebody say, be stretched out. Do you believe this morning that even in your barrenness in your life, anywhere that you may be hopeless or in lack, that all God has to do is speak a promise and he can bring more life than you think that you're losing out on? Do you believe it this morning? This is who our God is and this is who he is stepping in to Isaiah 54. God wants to use you even when you think you're barren. I want to preach a message to you this morning titled, I'm stretching. I'm stretching. Go ahead and write that down. At the top of your notes, I'm stretching. Stretching is weird. If you've ever stretched and ever really thought about what you're doing, stretching is kind of weird. You basically put your body into all these abnormal positions that are uncomfortable. And if it hurts, it means you're doing it right, I think. And it's kind of awkward looking. Like if you see somebody stretching, it doesn't make sense. But if they say, oh, I'm stretching, that's like, oh, okay. Like you wouldn't normally stand like that. But if you're stretching, it's totally normal. So, uh, 
if you're stretching, nobody can really question what you're doing and you can just make it make sense. Like ask anybody who does yoga. Like it doesn't make sense what you're doing. And they're like, oh, I'm stretching. It's like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> and by, by all means, continue your stretching. <laughs> so here's what I mean by, by stretching. Here's some pictures of, of people stretching that if they weren't stretching, this would make no sense. Like why are all these guys wearing matching clothes propped up on one leg in a field together? staring at their toes. It makes a, oh, they're stretching. Okay, great, cool. It makes perfect sense, right? Or this guy, just watching the sunset with an arm over his head. Doesn't make any much, it doesn't make much sense, but then he turns, he's, dude, I'm stretching. I'm about to surf, bro. And you're like, oh, cool. Stretch on, my friend. And then there's this one, which just doesn't make sense no matter what you say you're doing. I don't know how that works, but uh, when does that, that's, I don't care if you're stretching or not, don't hang upside down by rubber bands. It doesn't sound safe. Your mother would not approve, right? Stretching. When you want to get your body to perform at its highest potential, there's a process of getting it warmed up and getting it stretched out. And I didn't always understand this. Like when I was little, I, I played sports growing up and was always doing active stuff, but never stretched. Like I would see different people stretching and they were always older than me and so I thought it was just kind of like an old person thing to do because I never needed a stretch because I was young. But I'm getting less young. Uh, Turns out, just like everybody else, it it caught up to me. You know, I'm getting less young and the more less young I get, the more value that I'm putting on stretching out, right? So before I work out, I stretch out. If I'm gonna go do something with some friends, play basketball or play golf or whatever, like I stretch out because... You, you don't think you need to stretch until you pull something and then you're that guy, right? Like, oh, I thought I was, thank you. Before I do something, you go stretch out. And if we're all honest, maybe, I mean, sometimes you just gotta stretch to like get out of bed in the morning. It's just one of those days, right? Sometimes you wake up and it's just that big of a struggle. I'm stretching. We, we gotta stretch to do all kinds of stuff. So I want you to just reach up your hands and feel the stretch. Just reach up and say, I'm stretching. Uh, there you go. Now we're ready for the word of God. This might sound weird at first to say, but I think that we can all relate to this woman in Isaiah 54. This woman um, who's barren and you know, people like me are like, I'm not even a woman. How do I relate to this woman? But this woman is barren, so she was made to have kids. She wants to have kids, but she can't have kids. She couldn't. She couldn't do what she was made to do. She couldn't do what she really wanted to do. And I think we all kind of know this feeling of like, there's got to be more than this, right? Like, I I can do more than this, or I'm not doing what I know I'm made to do, or I'm not where I know I should be at. I'm not, I'm not, there's got to be more to all of this. Maybe you've felt that before. Maybe, maybe if you haven't felt the like, man, I, I know there's more. Maybe you haven't known there's more, but you've at least had the question, is there more? Is there more than this? Or, or maybe you, you've had the feeling like, I, I know I should be better. I don't know how maybe, but like, I should be a better person. That sounds like a good thing to do. Or I, I wish I was a better parent. Or I know I need to be a better friend or a better spouse or a better student. Or maybe you've probably felt this before. I really should be a better Christian, right? Like there, there's more. There's more. I think we all know this feeling. And as a pastor, I get asked questions all the time that kind of hit on this Isaiah 54 barren woman feeling thing that I think we all can relate to because a lot of, a lot of times I get questions like, what's God's will for my life? You ever wondered that? What's, what's my purpose? How do, I, how do I reach my purpose? How do I reach the will of God for my life? 
And inherent in these questions is this statement and understanding that what's God's will for my life because I'm clearly not in it, right? What, what's the purpose for my life because I'm not living it? If I was, I wouldn't be asking this question. How do I reach my purpose because I'm not there yet? There's more. There's more. I know that there's more. Maybe you've had that feeling before. You've had that angst, that curiosity, that frustration even. Maybe you're hearing this and you're saying, I've never really actually had that angst. And you might kind of be on the other spectrum of the barrenness, of the, the other side of the barrenness spectrum of just being hopeless, right? Like maybe this woman wasn't, maybe she was past the angst and just resigned to the fact that nothing was gonna happen. And maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you're just barren. You're, you're washed up or you're too messed up to be used by God. You're unusable for one reason or another and that just kind of is what it is because you're barren and what do you do about that? Whatever end of the spectrum you're on, I think we know what it feels like to be barren. I've kind of been on both sides of the barrenness spectrum. And before I started following Jesus, I was on like the Eeyore side of the barrenness spectrum. Like, oh, nothing's gonna happen. Not really looking forward to much. Don't really know what this is all about. Just kind of day by day, going one step at a time, blah, 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 right? Anybody know Eeyore? He was my spirit animal for like the first 20 years of my life. Just... <laughs> just kind of cruising, doing the thing. But then I met Jesus and he flipped me upside down and kind of just shot me over to the other end of the spectrum because once I started following Jesus, like all I could feel was the angst of like what God could do in the world and what God could do through me. Like I, I would be all excited about what God could do. God do more. God use me to do more. Like I read the Bible for 15 minutes this morning. This morning. Send me out to change the world. I'm ready. Like, come on, God. But I was in college and I was like, this is lame and class is stupid. Use me, God. That's both ends of the spectrum. That's just kind of how my life goes. I'm on one side or the other, not really in the middle on a whole lot of things. So I've been on both sides. I, I know what it feels like. But regardless of where you're at this morning, whether you're on the Eeyore side or the whatever we're going to call the other side or somewhere in the middle, my prayer for you this morning is that you would believe that there is a promise of God on your life. There is a promise of God on your life. And Isaiah 54 shows us that our God is a God who steps into barrenness and brings forth fruitfulness. Yeah. It is who he is. It's what he does. And no matter where you are on the barrenness scale, he can bring fruit from it. That's what I pray that you know this morning. Because the good news of Jesus isn't just about what Jesus did for you. It's about what he now wants to do through you. Some of you need to write that down and think a lot about that this week, that the gospel, this book, this Jesus that we're following and talking about, maybe it's bigger than even just being forgiven of sins. Maybe it's bigger than what maybe what Jesus did one time long ago. But what if that's the starting line and not the finish line? What if the gospel is about so much more than what he did for you? And it's about now what he wants to do through you. And in Isaiah 54, God shows us that not only does he want to do something through you, but if you want to carry the promise of God on your life about what he wants to do through you, you're going to have to let him stretch you. You're going to have to let him stretch you. 
you've ever done anything that requires you to stretch, you know that stretching is probably the most boring part of whatever you're about to do. Stretching is boring. Like, if you are going to watch the Colts game later today, the pregame show is not going to be filled with their stretching routines. <laughs> Nobody wants to see those guys in tight pants doing their stretches. We just want to watch them run into each other. Like, <laughs> that makes sense. Okay, go football, go Colts. Bad joke. All right. But seriously, you know, stretching is boring. And if you're about to do something that requires you to stretch, stretching is the boring part. Like, hopefully, why you're getting stretched out is more exciting than the stretches that you're doing. Am I right? There's no ESPN top 10 stretches of the week. It's all top plays of the week. So hopefully you stretch to play, not the other way around. And so for me, like I, I love doing CrossFit. That's a fun thing for me to do. And uh, I've had to start stretching more and more. And, and for most people who do CrossFit, except like the crazy people who just do it all the time, a CrossFit class is kind of built around one hour. So you got 60 minutes. But what's interesting is in that 60 minutes, in kind of the CrossFit world, if you do a workout portion that takes up to 20 minutes or something, that's actually a pretty long workout uh, in kind of the CrossFit world. So if you're gonna go do a 60 minute time, you're only gonna really use 20 minutes of doing the, the quote unquote real workout part, which means you're gonna do twice as, you're gonna spend twice as much time doing boring things that look like they have nothing to do with what you came to do so that you can get ready to do what you came to do. That takes a third of the time of what you didn't come to do that you're doing. You're stretching, right? It's the boring part, it's lame. So here's like, for example, I'm not gonna like touch my toes or anything, but a few years ago, one of these came into my life. Have you ever seen a foam roller? If you haven't ever used one of these, I'm telling you, it's awesome. So when, if, if I'm gonna go work out, I usually pull out one of these every day. And you're like, what do you do with that? Well, so if you come to lift weights and do all this stuff, step one is getting one of these foam rollers and you can kind of like sit on it like this and you kind of roll around and get your muscles worked out. You feel awkward yet yeah, watching me do this. So it's kind of like, kind of weird, but you know, you kind of get stretched out. You can get your back going and basically you lay down for a few minutes and rock back and forth and it kind of stretches you out. And it's an awesome thing to start with. And sometimes you can like, you gotta get your legs too. You can go like this and just kind of lay down like this. And that's weird. And this is pretty much how you spend the first like 10 minutes. But the workout has nothing to do with sitting down or laying down, but here I am sitting down and laying down. Or maybe you might go for a warm up run, like a short jog, but, but, but the workout might not even have a run in it. Maybe you do bend down and touch your toes or like that guy, throw your arm over the shoulder. But this isn't the work, like what workout has you do this? Put an arm behind your head, right? Why are you doing all this stuff? My favorite stretch is this one right here. Come on, somebody who's rolled your neck before. It feels so good. I've never done this in a workout, <laughs> but it's awesome. Stretching looks weird. There's nothing glamorous about stretching, and it isn't always obvious how the stretch that you're doing is gonna translate to the activity that you are stretching for. My point is this, a lot of times life can feel like Stretching, it's mundane, it's not glamorous, there's nothing all that special about it. And if we're honest, we're not always sure how what we're currently doing translates to what God might call us to. 
Or what we're doing right now might translate to God's, God's great grand plans for the world, but I'm just me over here. Like it's Sometimes you look around in life and it feels like you're in a gym where everybody else is lifting weights and running laps and you're the goofball in the corner on a foam roller. Like, what am I even doing? Does this matter at all? If we're honest, I think we look around a lot of times feeling like the person in the corner on a foam roller because everybody else has this thing figured out. I mean, look at their marriage, right? Look at their kid. Look at their career. Look at their car. Look at their attitude. Look at their smile. Look at their Instagram. Everybody else has this figured out, and I just feel like I'm sitting down when I should be running or something. There's got to be more than what I'm doing. The woman in Isaiah 54, she's promised children, but she's told to stretch out her tent. I'm not an expert, but my wife, in preparing for the birth of our two kids, did zero tent stretching. She's promised children, but she's told to stretch her tent, which again, I'm no expert, but I'm pretty sure that stretching a tent has nothing to do with birthing a baby. I do know it has nothing to do with making a baby, but stretching the tent had everything to do with caring for the babies. And there are times in your life that might not make sense. There's times in life that you don't like, that don't feel good, that might hurt, they might be uncomfortable, they don't even look like they're important, but God is stretching you because he knows what he has called you to. I want you to write that down. God is stretching you because he knows what he has called you to. Sometimes he's called you to bear all these children, but first you need to stretch out your tent. It's not going to help you have the babies, but it is going to help you carry the promise. God's stretching you because he knows what he has called you to. We don't always know what God is doing, but God, is, but God always knows what he's doing. And we've got to embrace the stretching in our lives if we want to carry the promise in our lives. This is who we have to be. And when God's stretching you, sometimes you feel like you're off in the corner. If you've ever stretched before, if you've ever done yoga before, you've definitely felt this. You just feel stuck. You're like, down, you're like, oh gosh, I can't get up. <laughs> I'm not getting out of this one. Sometimes you feel stuck. Anybody ever felt stuck in life? You're in the middle of something that doesn't feel real comfortable and you can't get a way out. I'm just stuck. Sometimes you're going to be in the middle of something that God has given you to do and you're going to feel stuck. You know God gave it to you, but here you are stretching a tent, but I thought I was going to have babies. Like, how do I get out of here? <laughs> You're going to feel stuck sometimes. And, and what makes it worse is that sometimes when you feel stuck, it seems like people come around and ask you if you're stuck. Like you don't want to be in your job and then somebody throws out like, hey, you should be doing more. Like, are you stuck in this job? Or you don't like where you're at in life and, and you, maybe you're asking yourself, like, am I stuck being single? Am I, am I stuck here? Or, or maybe sometimes, sometimes the devil comes around and tells you you're stuck in that rut and you're never going to get out. You're stuck missing out on all the good stuff. If God really loved you, he'd let you do what he want. You're stuck following Jesus. Boo. I'm stuck. Sometimes we feel stuck. But you need the confidence this morning out of Isaiah 54 to know that when you feel stuck, when somebody asks you if you're stuck, when you're asking yourself if you're stuck, you need to say, no, I'm not stuck. I'm stretching. You need the confidence to know that you're stretching. You're not stuck in this job. You're stretching. 
You're stretching your faithfulness. You're stretching your character. You're stretching your skill set because God's doing something. I don't know what he's doing. It feels stuck, but I'm not stuck. I'm stretching. I'm not stuck being single. I'm just not compromising like a lot of other people. I'm not stuck. I'm making a choice to be here because I know what God's called me to. And no, devil, I'm not stuck missing out on God. I'm doing exactly what he put in front of me. I'm not stuck. I'm stretching. And sometimes we need a little bit of attitude because in our world, we talked about all the feels last week, right? Where it's like, I just don't know if I feel it. Sometimes we got to snap back with some attitude to the feeling that's telling me you're stuck and say, no, I'm not stuck. Stop asking me. Stop telling me. Stop thinking about it. Thank you for your pressure, your peer pressure, your opinions, your discouragement. I'm with God. I'm good. I'm not stuck. I'm stretching. And I'm not going to stop until he tells me to go on. Because we're confident, because we know God's good. And he's working. He's bringing forth the promise, but sometimes you've got to stretch. Somebody say, I'm stretching. I'm stretching. I want to give you four things this morning to help you in the stretch. Have you ever seen professional athletes stretch out? None of them do it by themselves. They always have somebody else crawling all over them, pushing and doing all this stuff. So I'm not going to do that, but I am going to give you some help in the stretching. Can I take a drink first? Struggling. Four things to help you in the stretch. Number one, you got your pens ready and stuff? You can write this down? Awesome. Number one, find joy in everything. Find joy in everything. James 1 says this. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith, yeah, faith, for you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Find joy in everything. Consider it joy, my brothers, when you face trials of every kind, when you face struggles, when you face pain, when you face setbacks, when you face attacks, consider it all joy. Consider it all joy. Consider it joy because the trial that you're in may be keeping you from the results that you want, but it is building in you the steadfastness that you need. Consider it joy. At another point in Israel's history, in the book of Nehemiah, they've got this big task in front of them. And they make this declaration, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And when it comes to the trials in your life, when it comes to the stretches in your life, when they come, because they will come, when the stretch is on, the strength that you need is not necessarily going to be found in the circumstances changing or you getting what you want when you want it. Your strength is going to be found in taking joy in the truth that God is on the move. And sometimes that's all you've got. What's he doing? No idea. But I'm taking joy that God is on the move. I don't like this trial, but I'm going to consider it joy because it's producing something in me that apparently I need and God's going to use. God's on the move. Take joy, find joy in everything. Number two, be thankful in all things. Be thankful in all things. 2 Thessalonians 5, 16. Oh, it's first, isn't it? First Thessalonians. Oops. 
yeah, what did I say? First Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. It says this, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Go back to verse 15. Yeah, 15. get there. It said rejoice always. <laughs> rejoice always. There it is again. Rejoice always. There's number one again. Rejoice always. But verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know when you're stretching, it can get really hard to breathe. If you're not paying attention, you realize you've been holding your breath the whole time because you're just like, Ugh! Just like tension everywhere and all that kind of stuff. You can get really hard to breathe. You know you're supposed to go with the stretch. Just kind of go with it. I mean, that's the whole point, but it hurts, and so you push back because that's what you do. You, you, you push back. You don't breathe, but if you're stretching and you'll just breathe, it makes things go a whole lot easier, doesn't it? It doesn't always take away the discomfort and the pain, but you actually get a better stretch, and it just goes a whole lot better if you'll just breathe. There's a lot of unnecessary tension in stretching when you hold your breath. There's some positive tension. There's some tension you need in the stretch, but the unnecessary stuff is just there because you won't breathe. And there's a lot of unnecessary tension in our lives because we're not being thankful. And there's a lot of unnecessary tension in your life that'll get released with a breath of thankfulness. Just a breath of thankfulness, an exhale of gratitude. When God is stretching you, it can be easy one to react to want to want to react and push back and think that he's against you. But the next time that you feel the stretch, try to find something to be thankful for. Just find something. And this isn't like a cheesy self-help think happy thoughts thing. Like the Bible just said, give thanks and everything. This is the will of God for you. Like not cheesy. This is the will of God for you. Find something to be thankful for in Christ Jesus. So before you start pushing back against God in the stretch, when you're stretching a tent, when you know that you're supposed to be having babies, however that applies directly to your life, when you're in the middle of it, before you push back, give thanks to God. Don't push back because he's against you and, and don't go off on the kids because they're against you and go off on your boss and that person who cut you off and everybody else in this world because it's you against the world and everybody's against you. Before, before reacting and pushing back, just find something to be thankful for. At the very least, Jesus is alive. We can always start there. Number two, give thanks in all things. Number three, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Philippians 4, 5 and 6 says this. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Be do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. There it is again. Oh, verse, I've meant to read verse 4. Verse four says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So there's the rejoicing thing again. <sighs> three for three. Guess we should start rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord always. There it is again. But verse, and verse six is a highly quoted Bible verse. If you've ever been around church or been around a Christian, you've probably heard them quote this verse. Don't be anxious about anything, you know? 
ah, and like you've been in the middle of something that you're really anxious about and somebody shows up with a coffee mug that says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with things. And you're like, that's cool, but you don't know my life. Get off of me. And I would love to supplicate whatever that is, but I don't even know what it is. I want to be anxious because do you know like what the doctor said? Did you hear? You know, or do you know the phone call that I'm waiting for? Do you know the situation that I'm in? Sometimes I don't want to hear, don't be anxious about anything because I've got a lot to be anxious about. Talking to me about praying and supplicationing. I'm trying to be anxious over here. There's a lot to worry about. We quote this verse, and if you've ever been in the middle of anxiety and somebody just threw it, don't be anxious. You're like, okay, cool. Now I'm anxious and a bad Christian. Cool. (laughs) I'm trying, right? And if we just quote verse six, we miss out on a lot because verse six is actually only the second part of a sentence. It's not the start of a sentence. And so to know the whole sentence, we got to go back to verse five, which ends with this. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything. Seek God. The Lord is at hand. I'm not just telling you, hey, stop worrying. Say, hey, God is here. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. And when when God's telling you by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request made known to God. He's not telling you to go find God. He's telling you God is right here at hand. Let's seek him in the middle of this. We don't need to be anxious. He's right here. Let's pray. We don't need to go find him because he's already here. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. Last week, we ended talking about how there's nothing that'll help you stand firm in a storm like believing that God is always good, right? And there's nothing that's gonna help you live in peace like always believing that God is with you. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. And number four, do the one thing. Do the one thing. The only way to do all of the things that God's called you to do is to do the one thing that you can do right now. This is where this sermon starts all coming together. Some of you, I'm sure, have been waiting for this to start making sense and matter for your life, but here it is. Here it is. This is it. Do the one thing in front of you that you can do. One thing. Just the one thing. It's so easy when you start talking about the promise of God and the purpose for our life and the will of God. We start looking out there, right? Like, I'm, I got to get there. I'm not there. We're going there. If we know how to get there, that would be helpful, but we, none of us do. Or whatever. We got to get there, right? And when we do that, it becomes really easy to only focus on what we don't have where we aren't, the opportunity we don't have, the resources we don't have, the ability we don't have, because it's all out there and I'm just back here. But if you're a Christian, you got saved from worrying about what you don't have and now God will always do more than enough with what you do have. Oh, that, mm, that got me fired up. And the only way that we're going to individually and corporately do all that God has called us to do is by finding the one thing right in front of us that we can do. You don't need to worry about all you can't do. Just find the one thing that you can. And this isn't all theoretical or vague. I'm not, I'm not like throwing another big rock out there to go chip away at. I'm, I'm being like really practical here. For, for, so for example, like in nine minutes, you're going to leave church. And you've been in church. We worship. You've heard from the word of God. Are you going to take this seed? Are you going to protect it? 
You're gonna talk about it? You're gonna dig into it? You're gonna pray about it? You're gonna try to carry it? Or are we just gonna leave it? Like, you can do one thing. You can take this and do something with it. Yeah. You're about to leave, and, and you may not go out to lunch with anybody here, but it's gonna take you, like, what? A minute and a half to two and a half minutes to walk to your car. And there's enough people in here that you might walk out next to somebody. You can say hi and start talking and care about somebody for a minute and a half. You can do that one thing right in front of you. Or if you have kids, you're going to pick them up and you're going to go get, go get in the car. And you may not think you're the best parent in the world. You may not be the best parent in the world. But you can be the best parent in that 15-minute car ride. You can do that. You can do that. You're going to go to work tomorrow. There's going to be some people there that you can love. And there's going to be some tasks there that you can do your best at. You're going to have some time that you could practice trying to hear from God throughout your day and all kinds. Of, you can do that. You can do that. You, you, might, you might go to class and there's a big project and somebody who needs help. You might be able to reach out to somebody in your life this week, one person, and say hi and care about them. You can, you can do that. And that's right there. You don't have to go out of your way at all to do any of that. It's just right there in front of you. When we talk about doing the one thing in front of you, I'm not telling you that you need to be like Isaiah, you need to go pray about it, and you need to have a heavenly vision and revelation about what your one thing is. I'm talking about literally be wherever you are. I heard somebody say it this way one time. Wherever you are, there you are. Now, that's a good word. Don't worry about where you are. Wherever you are, there you are, so be there. Just be there. Get ready in your life because God is ready to bring his kingdom in and through your life. He's ready to pour out his spirit in and through your life. And he is ready to use you for his glory in and through your life. That's who God is. That's what Isaiah 54 tells us, that in the middle of your barrenness, you don't have to make it work. God speaks it into life for you. You got to be ready because he's ready. He's ready. He's ready to use you. And when God took on flesh and bone and he showed us who he really is in the man Jesus, when he was dying on a cross, the people he was dying for look up at, looked up at him and they started taunting him. They started taunting him, saying, look at this guy now. Here he's been teaching, healing, all this kind of stuff, but look at him now. He could heal other people, he could help other people, but he can't help himself. Look at him up there stuck on that cross. But he wasn't stuck, he was stretching. He was stretching. When God takes on flesh and bone, he shows us that he is familiar with the stretch. And he was stretching out his hand into your brokenness. He was stretching out his hand into your pain, into the injustices of our world, into the rebellion of our sin, into our barrenness and bringing life and life to the full. This is who our God is. Jesus is with you. He knows what it feels like to stretch. You're not alone. And wherever you are in your life, whatever you're doing in your life, however well you think you're doing or however poorly you think you are doing, you're not stuck. You're stretching. You're stretching. Find joy in everything. Be thankful in all things. Be anxious for nothing. And do your one thing. Stretch. Because God is going to fill what you stretch and it's gonna change the world. I want you to stand this morning as we close our time together. We like to be a people who respond to the word of God, amen? 
Bible says it's good to hear it, but it's better to do it. And we love to take a minute at the end of our services to respond to the Word of God. And usually we have a song at the end. We're not doing that today. But I want to invite you to respond however it is that you need to respond. I don't know what it means for, for you to respond this morning. But maybe you need to commit to one of these things. You need to recommit to joy in all things. You need to, you need to commit to cultivating a thankfulness and, and taking some breaths of gratitude in your life. Maybe you need to stop being anxious and focus more on the truth that God is with you. Or, or, or maybe you just need to resolve to do your one thing. You know, whatever God's doing in you this morning as we're talking, we just want to take these moments to recognize it. And before we go back out into crazy life, take a second and say, okay, God, I see what you're putting into me. I want to respond to it. Whatever your one thing is, maybe as we're talking this morning and I'm encouraging you to do your one thing, maybe you're thinking of something. There's something that you've wanted to do, but you haven't done it. Maybe there's been one thing. I just want to pray for you this morning that we would all have eyes open this week to do the one thing. That we just wouldn't, whatever the one thing is in a given moment, we just wouldn't miss it. That we'd be people who do the one thing that we can do. And I don't know if you're here this morning, maybe your one thing to start out is, is committing your life to Jesus in the first place. Maybe you've never come to Jesus and given him your life so that he can bring life out of your barrenness, the barrenness of your sin, the barrenness of your brokenness. Maybe that's you this morning. And your one thing is right here, right now, before you leave today, you need to give your life to Jesus and commit to following him. I'm gonna pray for us here as we close our service. And I'm gonna have a couple friends over to the side here right after I'm done praying. And before you leave, if you need to respond in one way or another, if you just need somebody to pray with you uh, for you know, whatever it is, courage that you need to do the one thing, or maybe it has nothing to do with anything we talked about this morning, we're at church. If you need somebody to pray with you, let's not leave without it, right? And if you're here this morning and you're saying, I actually need, I, I've never actually come to Jesus and followed Jesus, I need, I need to make that decision, then I want you, after I pray, to go over and talk to these friends and so they can help explain what that looks like and how you can start following Jesus today and be set free and given a whole new life in the midst of your barrenness. Are you encouraged this morning? Do you believe that God can bring life in your barrenness? You're not stuck, you're stretching. I'm going to pray for us as we close this morning. Jesus, we love you so much. And I'm so thankful, Lord, for who you are, that you are the God who speaks. You're the God who speaks to us when things are quietest, when things are most barren, when things are most empty, you can do some of your best work. And I pray that faith and hope over every single person in this room this morning. And I just want to ask why everybody's heads are, heads are bowed. If, if you're here this morning and you're like, yeah, there is a way I need to respond to this. Just anything broad at all. If you're like, yeah, God, there is something that I, I, I'm going to respond to. I want you to raise your hand right now if there's anything that is on your head that you're like, yeah, I'm going to do something to respond to this. Go ahead. I just want to pray for you. It's awesome. Jesus, I thank you so much that you brought these individuals to church so that they could hear from you. And I thank you that when you speak, you give us power. I pray courage to do what it is that's ever in front of us. Lord, I pray that we would see you this week. Would you open up all of our eyes this week to see the one thing in front of us? We love you, Lord. And we pray over every interaction, workplace, family, relationship represented in this room. We ask uh, for encounters with Jesus this week. In your name we pray.